Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first Getting Humans podcast hosted by me, Sean Roth, the Chief Experience Officer and Co-Founder at Humanity, the Employee Experience Company. This podcast is hopefully to be all things human within our organizations. Today, I have four guests who come from various backgrounds within organizations to talk around the central topic, which is COVID and the timing around potential culture shifts in our businesses. By Pete Schmidt, who's a mechanical engineer turned business and brand strategist who lives to move leaders to see the world a little bit differently. Laura Pycroft, who's a senior talent specialist at MultiChoice, who works within the talent management space, focusing in on culture, leadership, and diversity. Deborah Hartung, who has 20 years of experience in everything HR, but now specializes in the leadership, culture, and change management arenas. And lastly, Russell Dick who has experience in roles that range from CFO and COO with enlisted organizations, and more recently, the CEO of a private water technology company. Cool. So thanks, guys. Um, thanks all for joining. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a really cool opportunity. I mean, I know that the, the world has got, like, has got, total information overload in terms of like there are one million webinars that you can watch there are a gazillion podcasts that are out there that people are pushing and things like that but i don't know if there are many that are are, are trying to be as real as what i'm hoping that we will get out of this and my goal is i've got a bunch of people particularly in this call that come from quite different spectrums from you know obviously as as the introductions said you know HR and operations within a big organization to, you know, HR strategists uh, who work independently with businesses and leaders to, you know, somebody who comes from a, a listed CFO and COO role. So more of potentially the, the sort of the where fantasy meets reality piece. And then obviously Pete from a branding and uh, I guess, you know, and the brand is so important as, as we've discussed historically between the two of us in terms of like, you've got to bring the emotion out of this and the, the sort of that, well, how do you position it? You know, like, you know, as you would with any consumer market, but you've got to now do this internally. So, you know, I really, I, I really like the fact that we've got quite a diverse, uh, you know, a diverse group of guys on the, or guys and girls on the call. Um, you know, as suggested, we're going to be very real, which means that there are going to be some fuck bombs and there's going to be some shits. And, uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm quite keen for that to be a part of our, our way that, like, we can resonate with a real human being and not feel like, you know, this perfection complex and God complex that that, that often is pushed out by uh, a lot of shows and uh, things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, without, without sort of, uh, you know, further ado and, and without me talking for the next 45 minutes, I'll actually be quick. I think, guys, from a, um, a COVID perspective, I guess COVID has been many things to many people and businesses, but if at the very least it's been a time of where it has at least created some type of reflection, right? I mean, and that obviously reflection from a culture perspective, reflection from a processes and business and structure and, you know, the whole thing. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, like we said, one of the goals of today is really to unpack the possibilities or opportunities as to what that has brought out, you know, what opportunities there might be, where the hurdles are going to be in terms of change. Um, and I think so. So let's just start off. Let's start with you, Laura, just from your perspective. I mean, where do you see the, I, I guess, the opportunities or hurdles within any kinds of culture uh, and, and, and business process shifts within the environment at the moment? Yeah, so I mean, hurdles are many. Um, I think 
in, in my own professional experience and in what I'm observing and, you know, in, in other organizations and what I'm reading and what I'm watching, I think a lot of people are assuming that now is a great time um, to kind of relook at their organization's culture, their values, their behaviors. Um, you know, they're either doubling down on what they already have because it's working great and this is what's going to see them through. Or if they were in a bit of a tough spot, they're thinking, okay, well, let's use this crisis as like a catalyst for uh, improving ourselves and becoming different. And just in my own opinion, I think one of the biggest hurdles is going to be actually making a change during this time of crisis because you'll have changes that are made um, that are inevitable as you need to like adapt to the new uh, situation or whatever. But when you look at culture, um, where it becomes difficult is asking people who are already emotionally stressed, uh, you know, they're at their wit's end in terms of trying to adapt at home uh, to uh, your balancing family and work life and all of this. They're under like numerous different stresses. Asking a person in that situation, especially in a large organization when you have thousands of them, to make a dramatic mindset mindset shift is actually quite a lot. It's quite hard. So I think one of the biggest risks is going to be attempting a culture change during a global crisis and then having it not stick because people just aren't capable of taking on that kind of development right now. Um, but I mean, that that is just, that's literally my opinion. So I mean, I, I don't know what some of the guys who come from like an executive um position think of that because I'm really looking at it from like you know being in the team who would operationalize that kind of thing okay well let me move that then on to um I, I guess if you where you're moving there in terms of like where it comes from as like a top or, or senior level executive leadership Russell from your perspective I mean just the positioning of time I mean you coming from a, a, a suppose also a big corporate background um but then also you know from from a senior leadership perspective what are your thoughts in that space um, the first thing is that, uh, irrespective of, uh, I think, the, the circumstances outside of the organization, culture is, is a very difficult thing to change, and it requires, you know, um, a clear idea of what, what you want to move towards, um, and then a conscious effort every single day to ensure that, you know, you keep getting that message across. Um, I, I do think the the current environment um, might render it a little bit more challenging to 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 initially bed down, um, you know. But I I think it, it does provide an opportunity to you know to really relook at things. And 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 I you know one I think has, has to it's a knife edge because you know while you've got to take cognizance of the fact that people are feeling um, and settled by this, um, you know, I think you do have to try and take advantage of it, um, you know, and do that in a way that doesn't further unsettle the team. Um, you know, I, I think at times, you know, the, the culture, um, the culture changes, you know, I think some of the time you've just got to, you've got to make, almost you've got to make light of, of, of things more, um, you know, and, have a more relaxed environment um you know I, I think from a you know from my own personal experiences when you talk about these culture changes they seem very rigid and you know um but it can start small you know um mm. and can start with little 
small things, you know. I mean, in my experience, I, I did, you know, there were the, the one part of, of what I did, um, you know, to try and get a culture going was there was nothing that I would ever ask somebody to do that I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. Um, you know, so if that meant, um, you know, picking things up around the building, you know, because that was one of the things that I, um, I was quite adamant about, you know, we've got to, we've all got to have a good working environment and a neat kind of place and what have you. You know, there was nothing mm -hmm. that I wasn't prepared to do um, that I'd ask someone else to do. Um, you know, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough environment, tough environment to um, create huge culture change. But I think, you know, if you start small um, and you have a clear idea of where you want to go, you can, you can start um, building, building the blocks now. Okay. Cool. So then let me get to the dreamers, uh, you know, and, and, and I say that obviously like like all respects in terms of like there's, there's, that's why I said the, the mix here is quite interesting, right? We've got operations and people who come from like inside the building and then I've got two wonderful brains who come from the outside, you know, in terms of like the big pictures and things like that. So Deb? Uh, the operational brains are wonderful too. Yeah, no, I, I have a, a heavy respect. <laughs> You know, like there's, that's why I think there's a beauty of this is that there's going to be like the, the where fantasy meets reality in terms of the like, you know, like the, the dreaming and the doing are, are, and you need both to work, right? And so, I mean, so Deb, from your perspective, I mean, some of the experiences that you've had of late inside your clients uh, with regards to, I guess, and let's try and keep it almost to like the, has the COVID opened the door or is it making the door harder to get through? I think, you know, what are your thoughts and what you've seen in your clients at the moment? Okay, so, so my approach is completely different. And what I'm going to say is that um, you need to do whatever is going to be right for you. There's, you know, none of us can tell you right now, now's the time to make a change or now's the worst time to make a change. You need to do what's going to be right for you. And I think for people who are listening um, and who are aware of the fact that maybe some things need to change, my only advice for them really is A, listen more than you speak, you know, so use this time to actually listen to your people and find out what their pain points are because people are hurting right now and it's not just fear mm. of losing their jobs, you know, it's, it's the overwhelm of just doing everything from home um, and having kids and spouses and partners and pets and, you know, fear of getting sick and have, knowing people who are sick. I mean, it's just insane. So I understand all of that and get behind that. And then um, I think very importantly, you know, culture change, I think people unnecessarily turn it into this monster and this massive big thing that it doesn't need to be. So from a, you know, we've already touched on that and said that we can make a, a few small changes. So what I like to ask people is, what do you want things to look like? You know, so like, what is, what is first price for you? What does good culture look like for you? And then identify maybe no more than three competencies or behaviors that you want to, that you want to drive during this time and mm -hmm. work with leaders to actually make small changes within their teams. For instance, things that build positive culture, things like psychological safety and feedback. Work on that right now. You know, create an, uh, an opportunity for people to, to, to be heard and to give feedback without fear of, of blowback. Um, a second thing is autonomy. You know, stop having a million meetings. Have one catch-up in the morning and leave your people to do what they need to do. Um, and then another thing that builds positive culture is transparency. And all three of the things that I've mentioned right now are actually leadership capabilities and things that you can work with your leaders on.
um, mm. to start changing and, and give them very clear pointers around what is okay and what's not okay. And if you make, if you introduce those small changes and you make those things clear right now, you're going to be contributing to a positive culture in the future. And I, what's quite cool there is that where you've started from in terms of, um, or how you've you, you started that in terms of making small changes, it's interesting as to how I'm going to talk to Pete now because of some of the conversations we've had offline as well, which is, you know, Pete also, you know, historically with the conversations we've had, you know, uh, have, have come in from a very, like, sort of big vision and purpose piece. So, so Pete, just your your initial reactions and responses to kind of the, the things that the, that the team have spoken about so far? I think that, um, and, and I'm, I'm picking up um, uh, elements from from each of the of each of the perspectives here, and I think that there've been some very important points raised. One of the one of the realities we're seeing, and I'm seeing it across multiple organisations I'm dealing with at the moment, is that um, true leadership is coming to bear right now, and 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 culture is being determined. Future culture is being determined right now. Um, so. The way I see it is, is crisis is 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 crises certainly expose um, cultures, and they expose um, value systems um, within leadership. What we're seeing is a tremendous democratization. So, um, where, for example, you see, and I'll give you, I'll give you one example. Um, Adrian Gore connects with um, the whole of his organization every day. Um, and he sits at home and everybody else is sitting at home. They, each, each of them is dealing with the same issues, um, maybe some on different levels. Um, the fact is, is that um, if I approach as a leader, I approach my organization with empathy first and foremost, um, that is going to be a very important kind of influence on what happens with our culture going forward. Um, if if, I, if if that is a leadership behavior seen by the entire organization um, as the status quo, that starts becoming the way that people behave. And it's something, I mean, you can talk about it in a large organization or you can talk about it in a small organization. I see it personally in my business since starting a morning check-in and first of all, finding out about what, what where, where are people at? What is, what is, what is the biggest fear today? Um, it's, it's, it starts, a, it's, 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 it, it's, the, it's the beginnings of the creation of a much more democratic, um, uh, much more democratic sort of organization. So I think that what we, what we're seeing is the breakdown of hierarchies um, and, and we'll certainly see that um, coming out of this situation and by, by when I say coming out, I don't think that we'll ever go back to our traditional normals. Um, uh, we should, if we haven't mourned the loss of our traditional normal, we should we should start doing that now. Um, uh, the world is going to be a very different. It's it's already a very different space, and it will continue to become a very different space. And it does require a very different type of organisation and culture to be able to address that. Okay, awesome, Laura. I can see that you've got a uh, a hand up. This is the beauty of these teams things, right? Is that in a call week, I can see that you're shouting at me. So, some thoughts on that, Laura? Yeah, I think um, Deb and Peter made a really good point uh, bringing up the element of empathy. And I think uh, what what I've seen a lot of is it doesn't matter what you want to implement or you want to change, if it's like a small thing like a newsletter or if you want like company-wide uh, culture change, it's not going to happen unless your leaders have the capacity to show empathy and compassion. 
and also to self-reflect. Um, because I, I think one of the hardest things is to expect behavioral change from somebody else when you yourself are confused about how to actually change your behavior and, you know, am I actually being an authentic leader? Am I actually uh, doing transparency in the right way? Um, I think people need a lot more support there than people think they do because they're leaders and you assume, ah, well, you know, you've reached an executive level, you must be the ultimate human being. But actually, you know, they're, they're in a position where they themselves are going through lockdown and are uncertain and are exhausted. And I think that like focusing on skills of empathy and compassion, I, I think are really quite helpful at this stage um, and coming out of, of lockdown as well. Just on that point, can we just actually, it wasn't part of like where I was going to go, but can we just talk about the empathy thing for a minute? Because I think Oaks have fucked that up badly, right? Because they misunderstand. <laughs> like, you know, I think that the empathy thing, so people look at empathy, and I, I don't think even the definition, you know, like I don't think people even understand what empathy truly means, specifically from a leadership perspective, right? I mean, I think that like kind of like, yeah, I walk a mile in your shoes or whatever it might be. But I mean, can we just talk about some of the things that, that you guys have seen in terms of like, what does empathy actually mean in this context, you know, specifically in lead, leading through a crisis or whatever it might be? Like, like, how does that empathy actually impact that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you be empathetic as a oak or a lady who is leading a team and are also feeling the same shit that everybody else is feeling? Can we just, you know, maybe digress a little bit into the, to the empathy piece? I don't know if anyone wants to start and uh, you know just get off on that that empathy piece pete you you actually mentioned it so pete can i start with you just in terms of like what you really mean by that empathy piece um and and how we can really use it practically in our in our world and as to like as to what it is right now um just trying to think of an example um i guess in 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 very simple terms it 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 means being willing to go um and do something that other people wouldn't put yourself in harm's way um, to um, support somebody who might be dealing with something really difficult. Um, so it's not just a case of it's not just a case of feeling something. It's but it's a, it's a, it's it's a case of actually doing something. Okay. Cool. I think I think just to add to that, um, Sean. I think you know we need to take one step further back. And and Laura mentioned this around introspection. So the first step to empathy is realizing that people might be going through some stuff, you know, yeah. whether you're going through it or not. And this is the problem. And I think the biggest problem really is a systemic foundational one. And one of the biggest lies we've ever been told in the world is to treat others the way that we want to be treated. That is bullshit. Treat others the way that they want to be treated. You know, <laughs> you might be sitting in your fabulous home and you haven't missed one meal. And mm. you're the, the type of person who will speak up and say, you know, I'm, I'm broke. I don't have money. You'll tell your friends that. Maybe I'm not that type of person and I'm on your team. And maybe my family is going hungry, you know. And now yeah. you come and you, you expect me to behave the way that you're going to behave. Or, you know, you tell everyone, oh, if you need anything, just shout. You know what? Maybe I'm not comfortable shouting. You know, so mm. empathy for me is is meeting people where they are and understanding that everyone's experience is different and that it is valid, you know, um, just because, you know, and, and, and I remember a friend of mine saying this to me many years ago when I was was going through a divorce. 
um, I, I was going through this hole, but you know, is this is this bad enough to throw away five years of marriage? Because you know, again, we, we've got all those voices and all of that socialization, and it's a failed relationship. There's no freaking failure walking away from something that's not working. That's a victory. That's a positive thing, you know. So we really need to relook how we define a lot of things. But anyway, this friend of mine said to me, I was like, you know, is this really serious enough? And he said to me, whatever is serious enough for you is serious enough. Just because the next person would put up with this and maybe put up with more doesn't mean that's what you need to do. And I think that's a really profound thing. I, I think from an empathy perspective, it's understanding that we might all be you know, people keep on saying we're all in the same boat. No, we are not. We're all in yeah. the same storm. We're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. Some people are on a cruise liner and some people are on a dinghy that's busy sinking. And I think that's where the empathy comes in is understanding. We're all in the same storm, but we sure as hell are not in the same boat and we don't have the same equipment to deal with it. I think that's a really good point. Dave. Let me bring this, let me try and bring it back to, I guess, where we were trying to focus the conversation in, in terms of COVID and the ability to change. Um, and then how that empathy impacts that. I mean, Russell, you and I have had some discussions around some clients in terms of, um, you know, I, I guess using empathy in that change. I mean, where do, you, where do you feel that that fits in, specifically as where it doesn't come as a, uh, you know, something that challenges or threatens the leader, right? I mean, like you don't want them to make them feel like they're weak or like they're being they're changed or threatened or whatever it might be. I mean, what are your thoughts just in terms of trying to piece back empathy as as a, a roadblock maybe or a hurdle or an opportunity into how we enter any type of change? Uh, uh, I've been exposed to you know, interesting different, interesting variations of leadership. I wouldn't even call it leadership, I'd call it management. Um, you know, and in my, in my opinion, you know, South African, and I'm generalizing, obviously, a lot of South African companies, um, and Pete referred to it just now, are still so hierarchical um, mm. that the environment, and it flows down, obviously, you've got a, you've got a, I love the term a boss rather than a leader. Okay. And the boss determines that, you know, this is how it's going to be. It's reasonably autocratic. And he's got, let's say, five managers who report in. They then um, are straight into the wrong mindset. Okay. Because now they are, uh, you know, under his spell and, and they're in the, you know, survive mentality. Uh, and that cascades down. And, um, I think in such environments, the, the, the ability to to actually genuinely have empathy and, and Deborah, I think you, you actually just really turned the light on for me in terms of what I think I was getting wrong with empathy. And that's, you know, <laughs> you're meeting people where they are, you know, rather than, you know, because I, I, I mistakenly used to think slightly differently on that topic. But I think that's taking it to to the right level you know, meeting people where they are. And I, and I agree completely, you know, the, 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 the current crisis has really magnified the inequality that exists in, in this country. And, you know, mm. there are people in cruise liners who, you know, who are kind of getting put out because, you know, their cruise line is not going at the pace at which it normally goes, you know, where there, there are far too many, unfortunately, who are in, in a disastrous state where the dinghy is 
leaking all over the show and you know no one knows what's going to happen but um sean getting back to the, the question i i, I think I think leadership is going to have to change a lot. I really, I like the word democratize. Um, you know, I think organizations, um, you know, need to, need to change significantly. And I think that's going to have to happen when leaders, um, I, like to, I like a term called legitimacy. Um, you know, and that's no longer what I say um, goes. And, you know, you do as I say, not as I do. Um, because I, I, I just think there's just so much of that that exists. And if you if you kind of, at a high level, look back, you know, what, what influences historically have we had in a corporate context? I mean, we, we largely, I mean, there's Afrikaans um, backgrounds, there's the British, um, and I suppose the Zulu, and they're all, you know, quite patriarchal, hierarchical, um, and, and so, you know, these cultures are bred into our working environments and, you know, we, we've, we've taken cues from the West a lot. Um, and, and I think that they, you know, there's a lot to be r repaired and rearranged within organizations. Um, you know, there, there's nothing worse in an organization than to see everybody in this survive state of mind, you know, and, and I've had the opportunity to go into organizations and see you know, see what I was going to start with and then realize, I realized quickly, you know, this is just the worst place to be. Look at these people. They're terrified. You know, um, they, they don't, you know, they, they're not thinking properly. They're not, they're not thinking creatively. They're not, they're not in the place where they can possibly add the most value to themselves and the... Sorry, did you hear me there? So we lost you just for a second, but just on that note, Russ, just for two seconds, yeah. uh, Laura is in a big organization where corporates and bosses are still still quite relevant and very important. And so Laura has been called into uh, a, a meeting at 12 o'clock that was not in her diary. So Laura, I just want to give you an opportunity to, um, you know, maybe just piece off. Uh, I'm really sad that we're going to lose you. I mean, we're only going to go for another no. but just some close. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, it's really interesting hearing all the different points of view um, and definitely more like the mindset shift thing because from, from the side of people who are like on the ground um, rolling stuff out, you, you tend to forget like what people are mentally going through at that, that executive level, even though you are interacting with them and you are dealing with them. Um, I, I think it's been really interesting to hear um, but yeah, no, in, enjoy guys, enjoy the rest of the discussion. I'm sad I have to leave it. You know what I'd like to do is maybe take on another opportunity and, you know, when we, when we next got an opportunity to mix, mix five diaries is Laura, also we'll talk a little bit more around the implementation piece because I think that that's the biggest challenge, right? Is that like, mm. challenge is the like, okay, great. We've got leaders who are, who are interested. We've got people, visionaries who are able to create it and, and, and make it. But then, like, the minion pieces is, is really, 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 like, probably that, like, gap, you know, that, like, really makes people feel like, oh, shit, you know? So let's, uh, we, we'll definitely continue that on, on another discussion. Um, and then, yeah, but thanks thanks for joining us. And, uh, yeah, man, we will we'll, we'll definitely catch up after this. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Bye, Laura. Cheers, Laura. Bye. Cool. So I think just to continue, guys, I, I think, Russell, where we were going there was quite, a, quite nice because I think it also ties into... You know, Deborah and Pete, you know, from, from your guys having come in as a as consultants into the space, right? So your jobs are to, to, to obviously go in, 
you know, create and, and hopefully help implement, but it's not a it's not a long-term gig, right? It's a, it really isn't. So so let's just talk a little bit around, um, you know, Peter, Pete, I really want to make a, a, a point of some of the things that you had explained to me a few weeks ago in our meeting uh, around that purpose piece, right? Because I think that, that, you know, one of the things that I've learned and a lot of the stuff that I've read and in one of the many, 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 many webinars that I've watched in recent times, is, is this whole thing around like people need or are looking for something to believe in, right? So like as much as there's this yeah. around people in a state of emergency and survive, it's sometimes like creating something that is like something to believe in or a piece of hope or whatever it might be, could be like, I mean, the timing could be right, right? I mean, like it could be like unbelievable timing in terms of if you can get the right like, type of mission, purpose or value, you know? So like, don't you just take me a little bit into the ideas that you have around that purpose piece because I really think it resonates with the with the time. Okay, well, I think um, purpose is a, is a, is a, as a term is 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 quite misunderstood in many instances, and um, I think for many organisations, kind of exploring the purpose space, it's really just a replacement of the traditional, um, you know, mission statement that you see on people on on corporate walls. You know, where you see the the mission, vision, and values, and it's it's something that people know is there somewhere, but don't really know what it means, or it it bears no bears no um, uh, relevance to the way that they operate and behave on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, when we talk about purpose, as and and in your briefing, um, you you speak of a north star which guides your um, which guides your guides your behaviours and your response um, to a crisis. Um, what we're talking about when it comes to purpose is a, uh, a real impact. What impact do you have on society? So first of all, understanding what it, what is what is purpose and purpose effectively. Well, in, in simple terms, firstly, it's not corporate social responsibility. Um, some of the most exploitative people and companies in the world are the biggest philanthropists. Think of Jeffrey Epstein, for one. And I think a lot of us know who he is at this point, based on Netflix series that have just been oh, yeah. um, just been published. Um, but really, um, purpose is this is this is this connection or or intersection of two fundamental questions. The first being um, who are we as, a, as an organization? What are our organization's authentic and distinctive strengths? And then secondly, what need do we fill? So what, what is the societal need that we fulfill? And really that's where the impact lies. Um, so if we're gonna talk about purpose, it has to be something that is actually measurable um, in terms of impact. What impact are we having on society? Society or on the planet? And we can start digging deeper into into what that could be. And typically, one starts by looking at what are the seventeen um, UN Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, what what is uh, relevant in a South African context in in terms of the South African National Development Plan? Although, if you try to read that, um, it you'll find that it it is it's a very good um, cure for insomnia. Um, so I'll go back to the um, seventeen Sustainable Development Goals. But really, what what is and that, and that and when when an organization is is having an impact on society or on the environment um, it starts changing it starts changing the landscape starts changing the landscape internally um, has a massive impact on culture um, all of a sudden you have something that um, people within an organization can believe in and believe me um, I, I arrived back in South Africa in 2010 uh, from living abroad um, in Europe UK and France for 10 years and I noticed this 
increase an increasing um, number of churches, synagogues, mosques um, around around Johannesburg. In fact, all around South Africa. And and effectively, what I what I noticed was that people are desperate. There's a crisis of meaning. People desperately want something to to believe in, want something to stand for, and. Um, particularly with the younger generations, as more younger generations um, um, end up in positions of leadership within organizations. So this becomes more and more important. Um, we want to live for something that is beyond just money. Um, and that's and that's where it begins. Do you think that I think speaks, sorry, Dad, I'm going to come to you right now, mm -hmm. but do you think that that uh, maybe this hopefully ties in with you, Dad, and I have, oh. Shit, that was a stupid saying. Anyway, so the, with regards to what you were saying there, Peter, that you also, we speak about now leadership, COVID, crisis, and change. It also speaks to that new generation, right? I mean, that's the point, is that like, you know, a lot of the threat here is on the old guard. And where the, yeah. change is to, where the change is yearning for is in this new generation of employee who, who don't just want to belong to a business anymore. They want to belong to a movement, right? And I mean, that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, something that really sat with me. I mean, this is from six months ago that you said that to me. And so, I mean, is that is that kind of like in the same in the same breath as, as to what you've just come from? Uh, yeah, pretty much so. Pretty much so. Um, if we if we look if we look back also a couple of years ago, and um, when we when businesses and especially large organisations were facing the millennial challenge, um, to coin a phrase, um, and the millennial challenge was this idea that. Um, millennials don't understand, you know, how businesses operate. They have these all these expectations that we can't hope to fulfill, and um, yeah, millennials don't want to fit into our, our kind of ways of working. What and and typically that was uh, um, uh, the the response of many, um, I guess, Generation Xs, gener um, um, baby boomers, who, who who were regarding the situation with with abject horror. Um, what one of the things we had to understand, and I'm I'm a Generation X, a classic Generation X, um, verging on a Generation Z, um, but what we had to understand very differently, and the change had actually had to come from us. Um, there was no way that we were going to be able to expect um, newer, younger generations to to change. It's just it's just not the way it should be. Ultimately, I think one of the things that that we're seeing right now is that. Um, I spoke earlier about um, the world is not going to be the same ever again, um, and 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 that's an awesome thing, and I'm very excited about that. Obviously, we have to go through this grieving process of all the things that we've lost um, that were um, a, a huge part of our lives. Um, but the truth is, is that society and and business and culture, um, uh, it, it wasn't working. The, the the old way of doing things was just not working. Um, and and we can we can we, we if you, the one way to check that is to look at how many people have gone hungry, how many people in South Africa are starving. Um, that just it's a it's a it's 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 that's that's a litmus test. Um, yeah. So the truth is is that yeah no, the 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 change needs to happen. The change needs to happen at a, at a, an at an established level, not at not at an incoming level. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, sorry, Deborah, I cut you off just before you were about to come in with a moment of... <laughs> no, not at all. I What I wanted to add to what Peter is saying is, I mean, Peter is, is talking here a lot about, you know, the, the Japanese concept of Ikigai and 
And what we talk about in exponential language, we talk about your massive transformative purpose, you know, and linking it to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And I think, again, a common misperception. And and Pete, obviously, because of your your marketing background, you know, um, thank you very much for acknowledging as a fellow Gen Xer our existence. Because everyone keeps on forgetting that we're even here. You know, it's always they talk about baby boomers and they talk about millennials. And we're also here. Um, I think it's a common misperception, um, misconception that purpose is a millennial thing. Um, Purpose is a human thing. Um, It's just what millennials forced us to do besides adopt a more chilled dress code and a more chilled approach to working hours and places of working, what they forced us to do is acknowledge some of the stuff that was always there that the military-industrial complex convinced us wasn't. And purpose is one of those things. Just like empathy, just like, you know, people don't just work for a salary. They want meaning in their life. They want they want to make a contribution and they want their, their work to mean something. So the things mm. that Peter is speaking about are extremely important, but it's not necessarily purpose in the way, you know, as you said, in the way that people have historically defined it. So I'm going to then push. We have, we're going we're gonna to have maybe a couple more minutes before we, 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 we bring it in, because from what I, I read in terms of how to run a podcast, you don't want to be too long. Uh, so... Russell, just just a quick thought onto your side now. So I, I I know you, and I know that you're a converted executive, right? So you you actually do really believe in it, right? I mean, like you know that that was the point of when we began our relationship many years ago was how you wanted to transform a business in terms of the people and the culture. But now I'm going to try and put another hat on you, which is the executive who sits at the same level as you, who is threatened by that, right? Because there's a threat, there's this threat that, you know, I don't, oh, I don't know, they, they, that's what it feels like. It feels like there's a threat on the exec who, who like thinks that, well, like people must just get on with their fucking world and they must go. Like why the hell must, you know, like I be, why must I give too many shits because I've got my own shit to worry about. So how do, how do we break down the barrier as the as the dreamers, and I say that obviously, you know, like talking to like, you know, the, the 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 type of roles that Deborah and Pete fill within organizations, but like, how do they break down that barrier to the guy that this absolutely threatens? Because like, there's obviously the opportunity because of timing, but I mean, the opportunity is also like, is, is the hurdles, obviously the guy at the top, right? So I mean, help me out and, and understand the mindset of the person who's sitting there going like, yo, this is a big threat to my existence. Sure, that's a hard question to answer. I'll tell you why. Because, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's philosophically, I, I think one does have to, you know, and I think it can be, it can happen over time, but, you know, there, there does have to be some sort of transformational change in, in, in a person's mindset. Um, mm. you know, and, and my concern around that would be, you know, the older the person that you refer to, uh, uh, you know, as the person leading the business, you know, I think, I think it's, it's a physiological fact that the older the, the person is, the more difficult it will be to try and change their mind um, because those neural pathways are so well-defined by then. Um, I, you know, you can, I suppose, get in at a, at a kind of lower level, um, you know, and, and try and light the fire lower down um, and and hope that 
you know, you can you can really catch fire to some logs who are then able to influence and um, and and kind of do a bottom bottom up uh, transformation. But that that's always going to be tough. I tell you why because you know I do believe in the, in in that in the hierarchical organisations that we we typically have in this you know not just in this country but uh, you know in the Western world um, you know that that a lot of the stuff flows down you know and as a consequence we miss out on so much you know potential and so much you know so many insights so much leadership um, at a at a lower level um, you know so somebody who is threatened I guess you know you've got to try get them out of you know and I like using the survive and thrive those two you know states of mind um, one's got to try and coax and you know attract a person to step out of the, you know the survive mentality um, and and start to understand that you know when they're not thinking like that the the creative you know their creative ability should significantly improve, um, and you know work from there. But but you know I I I just I mean Sean you you were privy to what happened with us and you know so much good stuff was done and then undone in an email. You know eighteen months to two years of of really constructive powerful stuff was created and then literally destroyed in a minute. And and that's what, you know, that's what can happen. You know, so one has to invest time, effort with, you know, the power that be the the boss, whatever you want to call it, you know, and 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 they have to be willing um, to to undergo like you know some sort of transformation in, in their thinking and you know I, I you know i don't think there's a better time but that, that to me that is a key you know because you know what i what i always found to happen is um in particularly in a listed environment you know we were what was our measuring stick our measuring stick was typically headline earnings per share okay that was the only thing when push came to shove and the pressure was on that was the only metric that really mattered so you know that flowed down from the top to the the different mds and and as a consequence there they were boom straight into survive and you know there you go um so you know getting getting a leader or a boss to understand that what can be achieved through, you know, doing real work with the people. Um, what what the impact that can have on the headline earnings per share is profound, you know. Um, that that that. But you know, for me, it, I always try to say, well, guys, what we end up with in terms of headline earnings per share will be a consequence of all the good things we're doing upstream. A result, uh, not a. A result. Yeah, the results, you know, it's 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 an outcome, you know, the processes that we want to employ, and you know the the initiatives around people and basically just being a good human being across the board, 
if we get these little things right, and that's one small thing I always used to say when I when I and I'd speak to our team every Tuesday. I say, guys, the first and most important thing that we can ever do each day when we arrive at work is this: just be a good human being. If we can all honestly do that every single day, then we're we're moving in the right direction and we're going to move fast. You know, and and like I say, you know, if you you have a good plan rolling out whatever uh, people initiatives that you want to um, and processes and so on and so forth. Um, you know, the, the, being a good human being is a great start. Um, you know, all these good words, legitimacy, empathy, purpose, they all part and parcel of it. And ultimately all the metrics that a business is looking to achieve are downstream their outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that but you have to have the leader on board. You have to have them philosophically, on board. So what I'm yeah. going to ask, uh, Pete, just I'm going to start with Pete and then end off with you, Deb, that you can close it up. I just uh, so so with all of what we have said in the last sort of 40 minutes or so, um, you know, around some of the process stuff, some of the challenges, some of the hurdles, some of the opportunities, I guess. So any final thoughts in terms of this? let's maybe close it off with the timing piece. Like, what about the timing now? Either excites you or worries you about like big shifts and changes, and then we'll we'll close it off. And I guess there's definitely another conversation to be had. And who knows? Maybe ten people listen to this podcast, and we'll do another one. So, Pete, cool. you just final thoughts? Um, I'm I'm in, I'm incredibly optimistic about what's going to come. Um, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. Um, for everybody, and uh, and we need to address each person. We need to we need to deal with each person in their in 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 the state that they're currently in. Um, but I think the opportunities for innovation. I think opportunities for humanity. I think that the opportunities for real values uh, at play and an opportunity to build cultures that are incredibly resilient. Um, um, I think it's 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 um, it's a good time for humanity. Um, it really is, and that's where the that's, that's, a, that's a cool piece of the story, right? I mean, all, all of this is around storytelling. I was sent a mail last night about the, the power of the story that you can tell right now. So that's cool. And Deborah, and, and you just in terms of some, 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 I guess, closing thoughts on to how, I mean, 40 minutes is clearly not enough for this many brains to be on one topic, but because uh, we only got to question number one of four. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, for me, I, I agree with Pete, but then again, earlier on, you, you called all of us dreamers, which I think to, to an extent we are. Um, I'm also optimistic about the opportunities to humanize the workplace. I think that finally, for those of us who've been called futurists, you know, for the last few years, we can finally do our little I told you so dance, you know. Um, not that we would ever, because that's just braggy, but, you know, we can we can actually say, um, I've been saying literally for decades that my job can be done, most of my job can be done from anywhere. And I think this has proven that now. So the, the major opportunity that we've got right now is to finally, I call it banishing the BS badges of honor. All of the, you know, the working, working a 60 hour week. Um, and having the corner office and, you know, oh, I'm so busy, I don't have time to take a break. You know, the, the company can't afford for me to go on leave. Um, all of that stuff, finally, for that to come to an end and for us to humanize the workplace and to truly understand and, and identify and, and start um, 
really nurturing the the human potential that we have. So I'm excited. Yeah, I got you. I can actually hear your workforce back there, Debs. Have you got them at least skinning and scrubbing? I haven't got any workforce anyway. <laughs> Your children are with you. Or whose children can I hear in the background? Doesn't matter. But uh, not my kids. <laughs> anyway, look, I think yeah, Russ, have you got anything maybe to add? Sorry, I'd, I'd sort of you'd had quite a good piece there on the end. Anything that you just want to add just as a closeout? No, I just just to, to say that I, I really like that uh, that word humanity. I, I think it's um, something that um, you know all organizations should be embracing. It's uh, it's the bottom line. Yeah. I think we got to, yeah, I mean, it's going to take some breaking. I think, you know, Debs, you made a really cool point, and this is going to be my sort of closing, closing thought, is that you talked around how for 10 years you've been trying to tell people that the workplace can change, right, which is cool, because within the space of probably 72 hours, we sent hundreds of thousands of people to go work from a different location, and we did it. Yes, right? so like if and somebody, the wall didn't end. Yeah, if somebody doesn't think that they can, we've now got a very, very, very good business case that says change is not so hard, and big ones, you know, like, I mean, that's the point. And so maybe that's that part of the opportunity, right, is that we've got a great business case as to how you can shift your business very quickly should you absolutely want to or need to. Totally. Anyway, well, thank you, guys. Yeah. really enjoyed Sean, this. thanks so much. Uh, thank I think you we'll, so much. Um, what we'll do is try and find some other topics. I, we didn't swear nearly as much as I thought we would. We'll find some other topics that may maybe, like, really get some emotive. <laughs> getting but i mean you know i, I really appreciate the time Thank you for uh yeah for, for being a part of it and uh yeah looking forward to seeing what comes of this little uh, awesome foursome well thanks so much for everybody for listening and spending a little bit of time with us uh, as suggested right in the beginning, um, we really, really hope that these types of podcasts can really speak to all things human within our organizations and that the guests that we host and the topics that we talk about are things that you can you know, really take practically back into your organizations. Feel free to contact us at humanity at hello at humanitysa.ca.za or just join or just get onto our website and, uh, and, and connect.